Uh, You can see valuing God's word is our focus today. Actually, for this month, we're going to be focusing on that. And uh, today, looking at valuing God's word. And I had no voice problems at all till this morning. In fact, the first time Kathy and I talked this morning, I was fine. And the second time we talked, I was like gravel. So uh, don't think I'm going to preach shorter. I may have to pause and rest my voice so it may take longer. So, But we're going to look at valuing God's Word because we have seen in Christianity today a neglect of God's Word. In fact, uh, I was... I have no idea where I was, but sometimes this week uh, there was somebody... They had a tattoo right here on the inside of the arm and... Uh, when she moved her arm, I could read this tattoo here, and it said, this too shall pass. You know, they've done surveys, and more than 90% of Americans think that's in the Bible. In case you're wondering, it's not. Um, There's a neglect of God's Word in our culture. And it's like the nation of Israel when they were starved for the Word of God. The people did all kinds of weird things. And there's very strange things going on in churches. And every now and then, you know, I'll be talking with somebody and they'll tell me something going on in their church. And I'll say, well, the Bible says that that shouldn't actually go on in a church. And they're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Why? Uh, It's fine because they ignore God's word. And so the, the biggest danger to me is not that there's people out there that ignore God's word. It might be there are people in here that ignore God's Word. See, uh, the Bible is supposed to be something precious to us. Uh, We hold in our hands, or on your phones, you you hold a text that is blood-bought. People died so that we could have the Word of God. People gave their blood, life's blood, to translate it and to communicate it to us. And And even today, in some parts of the world, people are risking their lives to smuggle Bibles into countries where it's not allowed, where it's against the law. And we need to value God's Word, not just have it around, not just read it devotionally, not just think of tidbits in it. What I see, actually, in Christianity at large is a neglect of learning God's Word and a neglect of trying to live God's Word. That people, they pray to God, they talk to God, they maybe even know Christ as their Savior, they have a comfortableness in their Christianity, and they're not learning God's Word. And that's the tool the Holy Spirit uses to instruct us in our hearts and lives. In fact, when the Apostle Paul was writing on the... uh, armor of God, what did he call the Word? The sword of the Spirit. Did you realize that every other piece of the armor was defensive? The shield, the helmet, the breastplate, it's all defensive. But the sword is the one we use to attack the strongholds of Satan. When Jesus was attacked by Satan in the desert after 40 days of 
fasting. Uh, Jesus quoted God's word as a weapon against the false lies of Satan. And if we neglect God's word, uh, we do it. And it's a dangerous, dangerous thing in our lives if we neglect his word. So let's look and see uh, what we just read a little bit ago. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, all scripture. Uh, the New English translation says, every scripture. See, it's not just that the whole book contains God's word. It is each verse, every part of scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. When Peter was writing about it, he said, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit inspired them, they moved. Now, a lot of books can be inspiring. They can inspire you to do certain things and and see certain things. And I remember watching a guy run a race once, and, and I thought, wow, I want to do that. And it inspired me to work and run because I watched him win the Olympics. And so that was my goal and my dream. Never happened, you know, but, but it was a dream that I had, and I became a runner because of being inspired by that guy. And so we can be inspired by a lot of books, but only God's Word is inspired in and of itself. It's God-breathed material. God-breathed information. And God wants us to learn it and know it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, this word profitable means profitable by reason of use. For instance, how many of you own a watch or a cell phone? that tells you the time, okay? How many of you have ever been late to something? Did did your watch stop working? No, it only works if you look at it, right? And the Bible is only valuable if you use it. You can make your shrine at your house. You can put God's Word there. And you can put candles on both sides. And, and, and you can appreciate it. And, and, but if you don't actually open it up and read it and think about it and apply it to your life, it's just another book. And so it's only profitable if we actually use it. And it's profitable for doctrine. Now, Sorry for my throat here. I wasn't yelling at Kathy on her trip. I don't know why it's... I can't remember the last time. Anyway, when uh, when we had a guy visit our church when I was pastoring in Sawarita, and he came, and I was actually teaching on this passage. And so uh, later on, I went by to visit with him and talk to him, and he said, Listen, I just, I don't want to get into all that doctrinal stuff. I just want to hear God's Word. So, if you wonder what doctrine means, what does it mean? The teaching. The teaching. God's Word is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for instructing. It's not like that 
doctrine is this massive thing for theologians to study in enclaves. It's very practical. It's very instructive in our lives. So when he uses the word doctrine, it's teaching, educating, and instruction. All Scripture, and by the way, when Paul was talking about all Scripture here when he's writing this, what do you think he meant? He, he clearly meant the entire Old Testament. But see, by the time Paul was writing this, they had more than the Old Testament. They had most of the New Testament. This was Paul's last letter. So all the other letters written by Paul, we already had. So there's maybe four or five books in our New Testament now that weren't available when Paul was writing this. And he was saying all Scripture, all of that instruction. Now, to be honest with you, when you read in Leviticus and it talks about separating the innards from the outards and the gall, and the, I mean, that's just kind of gross, right? Um, but it's instructive. It doesn't mean we have to do that. It's instructive because... It demonstrates for us the holiness of God. And that's something we need to learn and understand. That God is a demanding and exacting God. He loves, yes. But He really wants to see you obey, not just feel good. So all Scripture is written, and it's profitable for doctrine, for instruction so that we can learn from for. Doctrine for reproof. This is to, to correct, to correct your way. Uh, how many of you have ever had somebody help you by correcting your way, right? You, your parents do that all the time. If you have a healthy marriage relationship, you do that for each other back and forth different times and, and help each other. And in church, we help and encourage one another. We, uh, that's part of family life, body life in the church, and, and we help and encourage each other. A correction, if you're going the wrong way, oh, wait, no, it's over here. Like when, when we uh, got to the airport in Detroit to fly back home, they had, I don't know, 29 gates. It's a fairly small airport, actually. Um, 29 gates there, and we, we had to be at only one of them. We, we could have been at all the other gates waiting for our flight, and we wouldn't have ended up here. You have to be in the right spot. So sometimes we all need correction. In fact, cops tell us that if they follow a car for three miles, they can pull them over for something. Because we always have to correct back into the middle lane. Do you ever watch those old movies when they had the TV? Uh, I mean, it wasn't really driving a car. They had a screen playing behind, you know, and they're driving down the road like this. I saw somebody doing that the other day. Uh, but what you have to do is you have to correct back into your lane because there's bumps and, and uh, the, the pavement moves. There's angles. It does not that steep. But, you know, there's adjustment. If you're not constantly making adjustments, you're going to end up messing up and going off the road. And that's true spiritually. If you're not continuously correcting your life to God's Word, continually adjusting and learning and growing and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart through His Word. So it's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. Not just when you share it with somebody because they need to be saved, but reproof because it's correcting our life. For reproof, for 
correction, for restoration. If you're straying off the road, they have those rumble strips now, right? And those are great, aren't they? Unless you're in a construction zone and they've moved you over where you have to drive on the rumble strip for a couple of miles. But, but if you drift off, it's nice to have those rumble strips. And, and they break you up. And that's that correction to, to get you back on the right path. Not just say, hey, you're doing wrong. But say, here's the way you should do. So it corrects us back to the right path and for instruction in righteousness. Why is that even important? Because there's training and discipline. That's the word instruction. Training and discipline that we need to live in a way that brings glory to God. The only reason you exist is to bring glory to God. If you're not bringing glory to God, you're violating your very reason for existence. God created all things for his pleasure and for his glory, to demonstrate his glory. And so we are supposed to live in a way that brings honor and glory to the Father. So that's why it's important for us to learn his word, to grow by it, to be corrected by it, to be instructed in it. And then it says in verse 17 that the man of God, and that word man, is it's an accurate translation of the word, but it's used in the gen- generic sense. We could call it mankind, that the people of God. It's not just for men. It's for men and women and boys and girls, that the people of God What could happen if we are actually using God's Word to learn and grow and mature, and it's becoming profitable in our life? Well, here's the benefit. Here's the profit, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, may be complete or perfect or fully furnished and equipped. Now, when Kathy and I got married, I was in the Marine Corps, and um, I had surrendered to the ministry, and so had she surrendered to, to spend our lives serving the Lord, and so we were excited about that, and, and we got married, and I, I already knew I was not going to re-enlist. I had put in papers to go through the process of becoming an officer, but we knew I wasn't going to do that. I was going to stay there. Uh, I was going to, when my enlistment was up, I was going to get out. And so we got married, and we didn't want to buy a house because we knew it was a temporary thing, and plus I was stationed in Southern California, and we couldn't afford anything. So we rented an apartment, and we didn't have a lot of furniture or anything yet, so we rented a furnished apartment. And so here's this furnished apartment. In our bedroom, what do you think we found? A bed, yeah. And, And there was a little dresser there. And there was an overhead bulb. And then in the living room, there was a couch, the most uncomfortable couch we have ever seen. It was terrible. Seriously, we had a chair. The chair was pretty comfortable, and it was on casters. It moved around pretty good. And, and one day, Kathy and I like, came out, and we, we realized I was coming out of the kitchen. She was coming out of the bedroom, and we were both going for the chair because that was the only comfortable thing. And, and we both made the chair. We hit it at the same time. And the casters exploded. <laughs> and we had a little dining room table. It would seat four people. And that was our furnished apartment. 
We got a few more things in our house now. In our bedroom, we have a bed. We have a dresser. We have file cabinets that we use as nightstands. And we got a desk. And we got things hanging on the wall. And and see, when God says complete and furnished, it's not bare bones stuff. He's not giving you the minimum you need. In fact, Peter described it this way. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. You are fully equipped to serve God. He didn't give some people some really special sacred anointing. In fact, the Apostle John said, each of us is anointed to serve and minister for God. I was somewhere at a preacher's thing and somebody was talking about this other guy. He is such an anointed person. I said, dude, you should come to our church. We've got a hundred people who are anointed for God. We're all anointed by the Holy Spirit to serve God. And, and so when we are fully furnished, this is not bare bones, skeletal, minimum they need to put in the apartment to be able to charge the extra rent. This is the full thing. And the Holy Spirit wants to work in you and through you to accomplish great things for God. So all Scripture, and, and not just that, he says, not just that you may be complete, as in, you know, all on your own, but but there's a purpose for this completion. What is it? The end of verse 18. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Is there a good thing that needs done on planet earth? There's a Christian equipped to accomplish it. So if you're not involved in the process of serving God, you may be hindering what God wants to do in your life. We need to realize we're good to go. That doesn't mean you don't need to grow. See, the standard God gives for the growth that he wants to see in us is Christ-likeness, right? There's always room for growth. <laughs> but, but you can do things for God. You don't have to wait until you get a Bible college degree or go to seminary. You don't have to wait until you've been a Christian for at least 17 months before you can do anything for God. You get saved, you could serve God that day. In fact, the Apostle Paul gives us a great illustration of it. The same week that he trusted Christ, he was preaching for Christ, telling other people about Jesus, the Christ. So, God has equipped you to do great things for Him. Now, when we're talking about valuing God's Word, sorry, I may have to do that a few more times. When we're talking about valuing God's Word, here's some things we need to remember. God's Word explains the uniqueness and value of humanity. The uniqueness and value of of humanity. What does this world teach as a general rule? What, is, what do they teach in science classes, in schools, and in universities for the most part? Mankind is what? An accident, but evolving. Uh, mankind's 
A high-order primate is what the, the technical way they describe it. What is a high-order primate? Well, what's a low-order primate? A monkey or an ape. So man's a high-order primate. Now, I got it, man. I mean, there's a few people who look like they could have been, right? Okay. But, but the truth is, the truth is mankind is not. The only relationship we have to monkeys is not that they're our ancestors, it's that we each were created by an awesome God. And they'll say, oh, you know, human beings have 95% the same DNA as a chimpanzee. Well, yeah, that's true. We also have 90% DNA the same as a palm tree. Doesn't mean we came from palm trees. God put DNA out. He used the same material to make all kinds of things. But only in humanity did God breathe into mankind the breath of life and man became a living soul. Only in humanity are we created in God's image. And, and mankind is special and unique and we are created for His glory to live in relationship with Him forever. That's His plan. And only God's Word explains the uniqueness and the value of humanity. And it's interesting that when you teach on evolution, and people have taught on evolution, the byproduct of evolution is that you have people being horrible, being mean, people doing genocide against other people groups, because they think they're a higher evolved being. We actually are all sinners. We sin by nature, the sin nature. We sin by choice. We're all sinners before God. But every person has the capacity to bring glory to God if they receive Jesus Christ and follow him. Second thing about God's word, that he explains the uniqueness and the value of humanity, but it also exposes the sinfulness of men. Tell me a verse that helps you think of the sinfulness of humanity. All have sinned and fall short or come short of the glory of God. There's others, right? There is none righteous. No, not one. I love the illustration that Isaiah gives. You know, some people, well, I'm good enough, and God looks at me. You know, when we compare ourselves to other people, sometimes we look pretty good, right? But when we compare ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, boy, when you compare yourself to absolute holiness, there's some problems. And in Isaiah chapter 64, he says, all of our righteousnesses, all of the very best things that you have ever done in your life, all that really good stuff, the cream of the crop of humanity, all of that is as a filthy, bloody rag in the sight of God. Because His holiness is so much higher than our holiness, than our goodness, that in the eyes of God, we are desperate to be saved. And so people who think they can be good enough they don't understand the holiness of God and they don't understand the nature of humanity. But the Bible teaches us the value of humanity and the sinfulness of man. But it doesn't just leave us there. It doesn't leave us, you know, 
though all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. The bad news is you're doomed. That, that's all you've got, but it doesn't leave us there. See, God's Word teaches the way of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For we are saved by faith through grace by receiving the gift of salvation from God. The Bible tells us this. There's no way that we could have understood the awesomeness of God apart from God explaining it to us. Right. I know the Bible says that God has given two lights into everybody. He's given the light of conscience and the light of creation. And so looking at creation and really thinking about it, you have to be aware some great thing made this, right? Uh, Everything's in motion. Everything's constantly moving, and yet everything stays aligned. And earth doesn't change orbit. It keeps going in the same orbit. And we don't rotate this way one day and then rotate this way the next day. It, it all works in symmetry and pattern and, and mathematical precision all through the universe. Galaxies are moving in motion. Solar systems within the galaxies are moving in motion. Planets within the solar system are moving in motion. And planets themselves are moving around. And God keeps all of this together. And the way of salvation is to believe the one who spoke creation into existence, who said, let there be light, and there was light, who said, let there be lights in the night sky, and there's trillions of stars out there. And so we, we see and we believe and we trust the revelation that God gave about His Son, that there is a Redeemer. And, and he, his name is Jesus. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. And we can believe and trust in him and receive forgiveness. See, creation's enough to let us think there must be a God. But creation isn't enough to tell us that God loved us enough to send his son, the son of God and God the son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die in our place on the cross at Calvary. We learn that from God's Word. We learn that from the instruction that God gave to humanity. God's Word teaches the way of salvation. And God's Word provides hope and direction in life. This is the way. Walk in it. He gets us off the wrong path and on the right path. It's not like God said, Hey guys, I want you to do the right thing. Now, good luck figuring it out. Sometimes when when, uh, we were teenagers, we would ask our dad if we could do something. And dad would say, Whatever you think is fair. Whatever you think is right. And so what do you think we did when he said that? We did whatever we wanted to do. What do you think the consequences were? (laughs) God's not like that. God doesn't say, make your best shot and 
I'll give you the consequences later. God revealed himself to us through his word so that we could know him, so that we could understand his heart, so that we could understand his instruction, so that we could walk in a way that would not only please him, but be the best thing for us. He didn't just leave us alone. And so he says, don't turn to the right hand or the left hand. Remove your foot from evil. He he gave us instructions so we know what to do. Now, I want to give you a big, huge warning, okay? Those who neglect God's word will destroy their lives. If you neglect God's word, you put yourself in peril. I had a grandpa, had a car. Actually, I had several cars. He drove them until the engine seized up. He never got tune-ups. He never changed the oil. If it got too low and it was getting too hot, he'd add a little oil. Never did any maintenance on the car. When it died, he bought another car. That worked for him. If you have enough money and you want to do that with your car, go ahead. But if you do that with your life, with your spirit, with your soul, you put yourself in eternal jeopardy. Because God's Word says you need to believe on and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you need to learn His Word. I cannot warn you strongly enough how desperately you need to learn God's Word. If you neglect it, you move away from God's plan, and you begin to follow a life that is going down the wrong path. In, In this last few days, Kathy and I, had an opportunity to sit down with some friends and talk to them. And I'd, I'd known them for years and years. Um, actually, I, I knew him when I was a little kid, when I was a little boy. I, I think I was three years old uh, when, I, when I met him. And I uh, asked him, how's mom's doing? Because his dad died some years ago. So how's your mom doing? She's, he said, Physically or spiritually? I said, both. Physically, she's fine. Spiritually, she doesn't even go to church. She's just focused on materialism, on things. And I told him, I said, and that can't make you happy. He said, she's not. If you seek after the things of this world, you will never have enough. Like one of the richest men in the history of the world was asked, how much money is enough? What was his answer? Just a little more, right. You'll never be satisfied. And so this person who was a spiritual influence in my life as a kid is no longer doing anything for God. How did that happen? Neglecting the Word. See, if every day you look in your Bible, every day you read a little bit, every day you you grow, every day you spend time in prayer and and. By the way, spending time in prayer is great, but it's not enough. Because the way God speaks to you primarily is through His Word. The Holy Spirit does speak His heart into your heart, the Spirit of God into your spirit. God does that, but the primary way He does that is through His Word. The Holy Spirit wrote the book. 
It's the God-breathed book. It's inspired by God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So as we set ourselves apart to God and we learn His Word and we grow, uh, if you don't do that, you are in serious danger. See, you, you can go along for a little while, but you're going to hit bumps in the road. How many of you have ever ridden a wagon with horses? Okay, two horses at least or four. Uh, when, when there's at least two horses on the wagon, what do they do? They hook the horses up to the wagon, but what else? Hook them to each other. Why? Well, because if you hook the horses up to the wagon, not to each other, it goes fine while you're on even ground, even little rolling hills, and those horses will stay side by side. But when the ground gets rough, and then this horse goes this way a little bit, and this horse goes that way a little bit, what happens to the wagon? Yeah, it gets destroyed. And the people on the wagon, they might not get destroyed, but they get bumped up pretty badly. And see, your life has to be linked to God's Word. And if you're tied to God's word, you're going to handle the bumps and twists and turns of life. But when you neglect God's word, you're going to crash and burn. You're going to face consequences that are painful, that you could have avoided. And so even if you feel spiritual and pray and enjoy fellowship with other believers, if you're neglecting God's word on a daily basis, then you are not in the process of becoming more spiritual. And if you're not in the process of becoming more spiritual, the only alternative is you're becoming less spiritual. So instead of living in a way that brings glory to God, you're going to live in a way that brings glory to Satan. Instead of having God smile on your life, Satan will be smiling. Just like he did in the garden with Eve when she neglected God's word. So you're here in Second Peter. Look in chapter 4. And while you're looking there, you're getting there, let me tell you about this guy named Demas. Demas was a guy who traveled with Paul, who ministered with Paul. Paul wrote in other passages of Scripture, and he wrote about Demas. What did I say? Second Timothy chapter 4. What did I say? I didn't hear you, but that's okay. Second Timothy chapter 4. I heard a lot of voices, and when you're hard of hearing and there's a lot of voices, what do you hear? Noise. Okay, all I heard was noise. But Second Timothy chapter 4, I said you were in, all right, we're in the right place. Thank you for speaking up. Everyone was going to the wrong place. Shame on you. You should have known what I meant to say. Come on, come on. Okay, Demas served with Paul. And there's a passage in Scripture where Paul talks about his faithful fellow servant, Demas. But look in verse 9 of Second Timothy chapter 4. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. I'm going to stop reading that passage right there. Demas has departed. He left. He was in ministry with Paul. How did that happen? Neglecting God's Word leads you to make life choices that are devastating. Bring up Job 23 there. Read this with me, okay? But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, 
I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Okay, did you really connect that? I have treasured the word of God more than my necessary food. He's not just talking about a habitual fasting, which was common in certain cultures. He's talking about really treasuring and valuing God's word. Job faced the most difficult circumstances we can imagine. In a single day, he lost everything that he owned, And he was a wealthy man in days when they measured wealth not by dollars in the bank, but by animals. He had camels and donkeys and goat and sheep. And and he had all kinds of animals and oxen. and, And they all were taken away. And in that same day, he not only lost all of those animals through different things, he lost all of his kids. And all in the same day. And then when he was still reeling from the aftershocks of those horrible losses, he lost his health in chapter 2. And yet Job kept clinging to God, holding on to God, turning to God. How could he do that? How could he have built up that reserve to handle the huge problems of his life? Because he treasured God's word. He treasured God's word. It wasn't just, oh, it's kind of nice. Oh, listen, Susie has memorized a verse. Isn't it cute? He was treasuring God's word. He was clinging to it. He was learning it. He was growing in it. He was appreciating it. He was applying it into his life. Do you know that Job never owned a Bible? Most likely, he didn't have any scriptures in his house unless he happened to write them down. But he had heard God's word and he had listened to it and he had treasured it and he had conformed his life to it. And so here we are thousands of years later talking about Job talking about the sacrifices, the difficulties, and the glory of God's blessing in his life eventually. Because he treasured the words of the Lord more than his necessary food. So, what's your value of God's word? Do you bring it to church, get up on Sunday morning and dust it off a little bit? And then bring it to church? Or is it something you use every day? Is it something that you're learning from and growing to and conforming your life to? And we're going to spend a couple of Sundays talking about how to read the Bible. And I know you're thinking, well, you just look. It's, you know, black letters on white text, on white paper, and you read it. But but there's ways to learn to read God's Word more accurately, more appropriately, because There's different parts of Scripture that are written different ways. And we're going to spend a little time talking about that. But what's really important is you take this word 
and you treasure this word. And you realize that that people thought it was so important for me to hold this book in my hands, they were willing to die for it. God thought it was so important for me to have this instruction that he inspired people. He spoke into their lives so they could write this down so I could learn and grow. We need to value God's word. Father, life is busy. We have lots of problems, lots of distractions. I pray that we as a people would be a people who value your word because it's precious. Because it provides the instruction that we need. We can correct our life. We can see the error of our way. We can be encouraged in the right paths. We can find the way of salvation. We can find forgiveness for our sins because we learned the instruction that you gave us in your word. I pray that we would be a people of the book, a people who love and learn your word so that we can live and walk in your way. In Jesus' name, amen.